the the key first element in that is is an understanding, right? It's an understanding of what tinnitus is, but it's also an understanding that nothing that we have uh, that's affecting us is life threatening. Because the first thing that we think when we have a ring in the ear, do I have some strange neurological condition? Do I have a brain tumor? And look, yeah. is it possible? Sure, it's anything is possible. Is it right. likely? No, it's not very likely. It's it's actually pretty unlikely for that to occur. Hello and welcome back to the Altering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. And this is Tinnitus Week 2023. So today I have a special episode for all of you guys out there. Um, it's going to be super interesting, but before we get into the episode, I just very quickly want to tell you a little bit about my week because it's been a very, very, very busy and crazy week. Apart from the fact that um, next week, so uh, you're listening to this probably as it releases as usual on a Friday evening, 8 p.m. Berlin time. Um, probably you're listening to this over the weekend or maybe a couple of weeks later, but um, we on Tuesday, so today's Friday, on Tuesday, um, I will be leaving with my wife to Colombia, Cartagena. Um, we will be there on holiday. Uh, we will be um, with my in-laws, family from my wife. And oh, boy, do I need a vacation. Um, not because I'm uh, tired, but yes, I am. But <laughs> because so much has happened. I can only tell you, I released this uh, short episode um, about Tinnitus Week a couple of days ago where I talked about uh, how proud I am that the MyTinnitus.club community has become a sponsor for the British Tinnitus Association. Um, I love and admire the work they do. I'm a big, big, big fan of the British Tinnitus Association because they do fantastic work. Um, it's amazing to see the amount of effort they put in and the Tinnitus helpline that's available for people from all around the world where you can simply call and have someone to talk to about your tinnitus too. I think that is wonderful and amazing. So I am very, very grateful to having had the opportunity to sponsor, to participate in raising awareness and to have mytinnitus.club as a sponsor for the podcast. Um, F, not for the podcast of course it's also a sponsor for the podcast because it is basically the I'm the host for the podcast I'm also the host for the community but yes you get my point um, sponsoring the My Tinnitus Club um, as a British Tinnitus Association was something that I didn't think was possible a year ago when I or not even a year ago when I started the community now we are already over 30 members constantly growing and this is something that amazes me we had our last community meeting with over 12 people really participating um, out of the 30 active members on the community 12 showed up and we had this amazing event and, uh, and I just must say that I had goosebumps, right? Because I saw the bunch of amazing people who were there sharing the positivity, me being able to shed some lights and insights on the path of habituation and just uh, people sharing of how much progress they had made since they came into the community. So for me, that really gave me goosebumps that I could say something that has caused me so much despair and pain in my personal life, right? Being deaf on one ear and having the uh, high-pitched tinnitus and hearing problems on my other remaining ear. Um, and then building this community despite all the all the other things, right? Um, and really seeing people connect and getting better with their tinnitus and really being euphoric about this platform, about this community. So I am very humbled, very grateful to see the progress of the community. And I am super happy to continuously offer my two weeks free trial for all subscription plans. So if that's something that you haven't checked out yet, I can only encourage you because I am so, 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 so sure that it will help and benefit you out there as well. So if you go to www.mytinnitus.club, you can sign up for your individual free trial and yeah, maybe I'll throw in an extra coaching session for you and we'll talk about your individual tinnitus situation together. But let's get on with the intro and the short ads for this podcast episode. I bring you Craig Casper, Dr. Craig Casper from New York, hearing doctor. So I think that's an amazing opportunity and we had a fantastic podcast interview. He's uh, not only a fantastic human being, but he has so much experience, 25 years of working as a doctor of hearing science um, 
or a, a doctor um, in New York City. Um, yeah, so with, without further ado, welcome uh, Craig Casper to the podcast episode. Let's do the intro and the ads. And uh, yeah, I hope it's been a fantastic tinnitus week for you guys as well. Uh, the next podcast episode will take a while because I will be on holiday. All right, guys, I hope you are all doing very well and all the best. I hope you had a great tinnitus week. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the Outering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. This episode is brought to you by Linear, an evidence-based treatment for tinnitus which has been shown to improve tinnitus symptoms in large-scale clinical trials and real-world patients. Linear retrains the brain by playing soothing sounds and providing mild electrical stimulation to your tongue. It's now available throughout Europe and its latest clinical trial results were recently published in a Nature Scientific journal. To find out more about Linear, where it's available and read about the research behind it, visit www.linear.com forward slash outring. That's L-E-N-I-R-E dot com forward slash outring. Yeah, hello and welcome back to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. And today, as usual, I am very excited to have my next guest on the show. We'll be um, talking with um, Craig Casper from New York. Um, Craig, it's great to have you on the show today. Please give our um, audience a short introduction about yourself and then we uh, jump right into the topic of our conversation, which, as usual, is tinnitus. <laughs> Sure. It's great to meet you, Frieder. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, so my name is Craig Casper. I'm a doctor of audiology based in New York City. I've been in clinical practice for well over 25 years at this point. Uh, wow. My clinical interests have ranged from preventive hearing health care to tinnitus to balance-related disorders. Um, started out as a musician, which I'd love to talk to you about because it definitely comes into play when we talk about yeah. tinnitus. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to be with you. I'm excited to, uh, to be of value and, and share some information with your audience. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's great to hear. Wow. And um, I think uh, we have a, a, a expert looking at all the years of experience you, you put in already. So um, maybe you can share with our audience a little bit and uh, what got you into the space of audiology and more particularly in the space into the space of tinnitus. Was it for personal reasons or what was your, what was your trigger, so to say? Trigger. That's a really interesting word, right? Especially <laughs> when it comes to tinnitus. Um, well, look, I think expert is is a, a very interesting term because when it comes to something like tinnitus, um, everybody's an expert in their own condition. And there's not, as you know, and I'm sure as your audience knows, there's not one kind of pathway or knowledge base or everything that applies to every single person with tinnitus. So yeah. even after all these years working with patients, uh, I've come to learn that I'm learning something new every single time I speak to someone who is impacted by tinnitus. Um, I myself have been impacted by tinnitus for many, many years. I started out uh, very early on as a bass player in a punk band when I was a kid. Okay. So I had a lot of exposure to noise. And back in the day, back when I was in my teens, yeah. um, walking out of a rehearsal or a show with my ears ringing was kind of a sign of, hey, that was a great show, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, fast forward a number of years later, I realized I was actually doing damage to myself and it wasn't exactly the best thing for me. Um, mm. To this day, I still am impacted by tinnitus personally. Um, it's not something that's with me throughout the course of every single day. But when I am tired and I'm not sleeping well or I'm stressed um, and I'm in a quiet environment, I definitely hear my tinnitus. And there are nights when I have difficulty going to sleep as a result of it. So I can relate to my patients in a very personal way because of those experiences that I've had throughout the years. Um, I've chosen to focus on tinnitus. Initially, it was because of that music pathway. I worked with mm -hmm. a lot of musicians throughout the years, mm -hmm. trying to prevent hearing loss, trying to educate them about prevention of hearing loss and the symptom of tinnitus. Right. So it was a really nice segue for me from my personal experiences and the things that I was very much interested in personally to my professional life. Oh, wow. That's a, a very good story. I think um, the other day I was talking to a client and, you know, the frustration can grow very high and 
that particular client said to me like, you know, Frida, I just wish that every person who is working with patients, with tinnitus patients, or how do you say patient? I mean, okay, patient is one term, but the other term is in that term. In that sense, we're also patient in other terms. So yeah, so with a with a person uh, and the people who work with people who experience tinnitus, they should have tinnitus themselves because it's just so difficult to relate to when you're when you're not right when you go to a maybe a CBT professional or a psychologist or or anyone out there in the space as well who can't really completely relate to your to what you are going through or to what you have been through right and if the person has been through that I think it's much much easier to relate yeah um well I do right. agree I, I think yeah. that there's a certain amount of empathy that any healthcare yeah. provider just has as a foundational element of their being but when it comes to something as specific as tinnitus, you can try to empathize with somebody, but you, do, as you're right, you don't truly understand what somebody goes through with tinnitus unless you are impacted by it in some way. And I think that's true of really any any healthcare condition. Yeah. Uh, so I think you're right. It would be it would be great for all of us to have some level of knowledge yeah. from a personal perspective before we started treating folks. Yeah, yeah. And this is sort of probably also only one of the conditions where you are actually. Um, a feeling like you would like the person to have at least experienced that condition before. If you if you go to a chiropractor and your chiropractor is walking around with intense back pain every day, then he probably can't carry out his job properly. But uh, with tinnitus, of course, yeah, it it helps a lot. Yeah. And just uh, fast forward to your um, to your current practice right now that uh, you said is in New York. So um, you see um, a lot of different patients, and most of them with tinnitus, or. Well, it's a wide variety of patients. We primarily okay. see adults in our practice. Um, I have myself and I have a couple of other doctors of audiology who work with me. I work, um, currently I focus a lot of my energy on patients who have balance related issues, which oh. in parallel, we see a lot of those patients having yeah. tinnitus as well as a result yeah. of the underlying condition that's causing their dizziness. Um, and then there is definitely a percentage of my uh, patient base that I see that is purely there for tinnitus and hearing related issues. So our practice kind of works on the preventive side of hearing health. We work a lot with tinnitus. We work a lot with patients who have hearing loss that are trying to manage and treat that hearing loss, whether it's through technology or assistive listening devices or compensatory strategies. Um, and then also balance related issues. Um, yeah. We even do, um, we're also involved in, in some, um, uh, collaborative work with yeah. physical therapists, with cardiologists, with ear, nose, and throat doctors. Uh, we see interesting and complicated cases. So yeah, it's a, it's a great mix. And it's, uh, I think we're doing, uh, I would say that we're doing great work. No, I'm sure you do. Um, I mean, anyone in the space, um, I mean, you sometimes do get that idea that people say, hey, there's nothing that's being done for people with tinnitus. And if you go through the internet, it at, at least the forums look like that would be true. But uh, I say that to all the people on my podcast, thank you for putting in those 25 years of work in working with people and treating them and helping them and supporting them. Because that uh, that analogy that uh, is hovering around in the internet, there's really nothing they can do. So just get on with it and move on is absolutely not true because there's people like you, Craig, out there who are uh, taking matters into their hands and saying like there is there are things that we can do. And I, I really love the um, uh, patient-centered care that you said you're working together with uh, um, uh, physiotherapists and, and, and maybe also with um, other treatment approaches. So how would you basically um, uh, try to treat a patient with tinnitus in order to basically find the most individual kind of care for them? Could you, um, uh, uh, could you share that with us? I think that the, the the word you just used, individual, is so critical because once you've seen one tinnitus patient, you've seen one tinnitus patient. Um, and there might be common through lines for every single person, uh, but there are so many individual elements that we have to take into consideration when we're having conversation and evaluating someone who's bothered by their tinnitus. The foundational element clearly for us is to understand if there's anything that's medically treatable. First thing we want to do is uh, a complete hearing test including high frequencies, uh, which most audiologists who are dealing with tinnitus should test ultra high frequencies. Um, yeah. Just because someone has a normal audiogram or a normal basic hearing test does not necessarily yeah. mean that their hearing is normal across yeah. the whole frequency yeah. range. Yeah. For sure. So that's really important. I think another element of the hearing test is to understand um, comfort levels as well, because oftentimes in parallel with tinnitus, we also have sound sensitivity issues that are intimately related to the tinnitus. They can also be intimately related to your hearing loss if one is diagnosed. 
we want to understand uh, the nature of the hearing loss, the degree of the hearing loss, if there's something that requires a medical referral to see if there's something medically treatable like fluid in the ears or a punctured eardrum. Sometimes it's as simple as that that might be causing our tinnitus or right. exacerbating our tinnitus. Um, we want to understand if there's if there's anything clearly from a, a serious medical condition uh, perspective, whether that's sure. a small benign growth on the hearing nerve, things like diabetes and high cholesterol and hypertension, high blood pressure all contribute in some way to our general health yeah. as yeah. well as our tinnitus. So getting a really good understanding of the person's uh, medical and audiological history is critical at the baseline. In parallel to that, I spend a lot of time talking to patients, understanding what their lives are like and what has occurred in recent times. Because oftentimes when I have conversations with patients, there's some sort of emotional trigger that has occurred recently in their history, whether that's death of a loved one, I lost a job, COVID strikes, and every, yeah. everybody has all these uncertainties in their world, yeah. and we're spending a lot of yeah. time by ourselves thinking and catastrophizing, right? Um, those can be contributing factors. So we want to understand the elements of the psychology of their world as well, and kind of what's going on in their individual world. Those two are key elements of understanding, okay, what's our next step basically for this person? Um, education forms the foundation. As you mentioned just a few moments ago, there is so much bad information online about everything health-related, and tinnitus is not an exception. Yep. My, my, uh, the one thing I usually tell to, uh, to patients when they come to see us is, first thing is get off the internet. Just don't spend any time looking in the chat boards because ultimately that's going to fuel misinformation and negativity. Yeah. And then that's going yeah. to kind of, um, kind of right. dial you up in many ways. So 100%. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. It's so, kind of, it's kind of that, that like we, I tell people over and over again, isn't it amazing that you go on the internet and you read something in a forum and that in and of itself makes your tinnitus louder. Right. So they always say, yeah, but yeah, my tinnitus is physically louder. I'm like, your tinnitus is like subjectively louder because objectively, in most cases, you can't measure tinnitus from the outside. So when you go onto a forum and you read something in the forum and that triggers your tinnitus to become louder, then it's like, what made the tinnitus louder? You reading that on the forum or some outside source that basically uh, toggled the volume control uh, that you could not control, right? And then people, maybe sometimes people start thinking like, okay, what's the real, what's the key thing here, right? And, and how, what role does exactly what you mentioned, anxiety and emotional impacted, you know? So for me, it's always like, of course, like audiologically and the people have to have been at the ENT. If I work with a, with a person together and I say, okay, we want to look at the anxiety side of things, we want to look at your kind of your reaction to your tinnitus, et cetera. And we want to go a strategic approach towards helping you more habituating that sound, right? So, but we want to look at, okay, what are the circumstances in which you get most triggered? And then most have that basically bright shining light, right? When you see football practice in the middle of the night and they have these massive shining lights. Okay, what's your massive shining light? What is making that focus on your tinnitus so, so, so big that it's always coming back to trigger you? But since I have you here and uh, I, I, I've gotten into this topic a few times, but you've touched on it because it's incredibly important. You said um, a whole range frequency hearing test is so important for people with tinnitus. Could you for us allude why that is so? And furthermore, to tell people why not having a hearing loss is not always not having a hearing loss. I think that's so key to understand that properly. That's a, a really, really important question. And uh, there's, there's two elements to that. Uh, so the first part, when we talk about a traditional hearing assessment that one might get with their audiologist, that hearing assessment primarily focuses on a very narrow range of the frequency response, the sound that we actually hear as humans, anywhere from about 250 hertz up to about 8,000 hertz, which is really kind of the mid-range of our hearing. The reason why historically that was so important to test is because that's really where the speech frequencies are, where we hear speech. But as humans, our range of hearing is all the way down to 20 hertz all the way up to 20,000 hertz. Now, we're not going to test much below the 125 or 250 hertz that's typical in a hearing test, but testing above 8,000 hertz is critical because you might actually have normal hearing all the way through 8,000 hertz, which is the range, the normal range of hearing that's tested. 
most of us, as we go through life, we will start to experience higher frequency hearing loss first. It's called presbycusis. It's just the normal aging of a system, genetics, uh, high fevers, medications we've taken throughout the years, viruses we might have contracted, things of that sort. But we will start to see those dips occur in those very high frequencies first, where we do have hearing loss then. But if we only measured up to 8,000 hertz, we wouldn't have seen that hearing loss. So that's a really important counseling tool that we use for patients because we show them, yes, you have great hearing for most of the range, but out here, way out here, there's still some hearing loss that would serve as the catalyst for the symptom of tinnitus. The other element is, and a very important test that should be done is something called otoacoustic emissions. So for someone who has completely normal hearing, at least audiologically with the beep tests that we're all familiar with, where some people would raise their hand or push a button, otoacoustic emissions are a very sensitive measure that allow us to take a look at the tiny hair cells inside of the inner ear, the sensory cells. When those sensory cells are healthy, without us doing anything, if we put a sound inside the ear, we actually get an echo from those healthy sounds which in turn tells us that the anatomy, the hearing is very, is very, is the, uh, the ability to hear is there, at least the mechanism. We can have damage to those little hair cells, which can be measured on otoacoustic emissions without actually having measurable hearing loss on a standard hearing test. Oftentimes that subtle damage is enough to serve as the catalyst for tinnitus to kind of ramp up or, or to begin in the first place. So ultra high frequency is important because we need to see if there's something that's measurable out there. And then on top of that, otoacoustic emissions is as a more sensitive measure to see if there's any subtle damage to the system that might be a catalyst for hearing, uh, for tinnitus. I think that is a fantastic answer. Thank you for shedding some light on that. And that was probably one of the most extensive answers that we had so far on this podcast. But I think it is so important because I frequently get this um I get this question. I have one YouTube video. It's not very particularly well done, but it is a YouTube video on why tinnitus actually happens in the brain and not the ears. And then I explain it a little bit of what the mechanics behind this are in my uh, lay terms, basically, basically just trying to make uh, a, a basic accessible science uh, understood uh, for the normal individual, basically like myself, but for people who are maybe dealing with tinnitus for the very first time, it's difficult to understand these concepts. And I think it is so important because you know, if people understand the natural mechanism a little bit more, and then they understand why their audiologist or their ENT is telling them, don't worry about it, because really there's nothing uncommon. It's actually quite common. And it's a normal response to the age-related degenerative process, or you have induced it by going to a concert or uh, as myself, having a few too many beers and not really taking care anymore of how well you hear in the concert or in the club uh, when I was a teenager that basically uh, sort of like numbing your sound sensitivity with beers and <laughs> and then partying the whole night. And then, of course, the next night, uh, the next morning, you wake up with a little bit of a ringing. And then over the years, suddenly uh, one morning, uh, the ringing doesn't disappear anymore, right? So yeah, I think when we, we start to manage to relate and understand the natural mechanisms and processes, um, then it becomes a tad less scary already, right? hundred percent. And I think that that really should serve as a foundation for any healthcare provider who is talking to patients who approach them with the symptom of tinnitus. And you keep hearing me say the symptom of tinnitus, because that's part of the, 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 the ramp up factor in our brains is we think that there's something horribly wrong with us when we yeah. wake up with, with tinnitus that's bothersome. Right. It's really interesting because I, 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 I really pride myself on the educational elements of things and, and, I'm sure your video, your YouTube video is awesome. And I'm sure that it explains, I'll have to, I'll have to go back and watch. I can get better. I can get better. I, I know I can do so much better, but uh, you know how it is. You run a, you run a business as a, as a, a sole uh, entrepreneur and that it's always, it can always be better. <laughs> Look, there's, there's always room for improvement for everybody. Right. Um, but what's interesting is, is the, what you're saying is that, you know, we, it, it takes away a lot of the, 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 um, What's the what's the word I'm looking for? But it takes away a lot of the fear factor when we are empowered with information. One of the most important things I talk to patients about when I counsel them is the fact that, as you're saying, tinnitus really is a brain phenomenon more than anything. And because it's a brain phenomenon, 
it actually helps us to understand the fact that there's a lot that we can do in order to help ourselves when we have tinnitus. Um, because the brain is this wonderful plastic, it's a malleable organ. Um, it's interesting, years ago, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, just kind of go back in time to about 1994, 95, I was at the University of Buffalo and I was working with an auditory neuroscientist. His name was Richard Salvi. He is kind of a world-renowned auditory neuroscientist, tinnitus researcher. He's a remarkable human being, probably the smartest person I've ever encountered. But what Dr. Salvi was doing at that time was a collaborative study with a neurologist at the Veterans Hospital in Buffalo. His name was Alan Lockwood. And they were looking at the brains of, of, of people who can control their tinnitus, whether it was jaw clenching or pushing somewhere on their face. Yeah. Yeah. Now, most healthcare providers probably thought that those patients really needed a psychiatrist more than anybody else. Hmm which again, leads to the insensitivity of saying there's nothing you can do, right? There's a lot right. that can be done. But what was beautiful about that study is that it was really the first study that actually used PET scans and showed us that tinnitus was a brain phenomenon yeah. affecting not only the hearing centers of the brain, but what's called the emotional centers of the brain, the limbic system. And that's where the critical element of all of what you're saying falls in because if we have the ability to impact our limbic system in a positive way, that in turn impacts our um, uh, the negative element that we feel and the way that we feel towards our tinnitus. It also the has the ability to lift it up. itself. No yeah. doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And I think you, you know, as we go and as that happens, I like to use the analogy uh, often. I mean, there can be many analogies. Um, um, I did an interview that hasn't released yet with. Um, with uh, Daniel Glass. He is a founder of the Uni Headphone. Um, they're developing a headphone that has stereo sound um, in a single ear cup. Uh, very interesting. And he is a, a psychotherapist himself. And um, he has had the great analogy for me. It was the analogy of uh, going to live in a new place and you have a train running nearby. So the first few nights you can't really sleep properly because whenever the train is running, you wake up and your nervous system goes like, oh, what's this? Like, do I have to fight or do I have to run away in flight? And after a couple of nights, like you're fully accustomed to the train running through your backyard, basically, and you know it's safe to sleep through the train running, right? And eventually, you will not even uh, hear the train anymore because you get so accustomed to the train itself. Now, Daniel used a little bit of a different analogy of what happens when you throw a stone into a, a fish pond. So the fish, of course, first gets very, very scared of the stone, and then the stone sort of like drops down. And eventually, the, the fish, of course, has to stop being scared of the stone, because if, if the fish is so fixated on the stone itself, there is quite a high chance that a bigger fish is coming from behind to eat that fish while he is fixated on the stone lying on the ground, not moving at all. And what it all points to, I mean, I'm a big fan of metaphors and that's the reason for why I have this podcast because I love to talk about a lot and I, I love to put things into words in order to make them understandable for people. But what I want to what I want to say to people is that exactly that as you say the brain has this amazing capability and ability that what also separates us from the animal that we can take strategic steps in order to make this process happen that we get used to the stone and that we learn that it is a stone and that we can recondition our response to the stone a lot faster than that fish probably no doubt. And I think the the key first element in that is, is an understanding, right? It's an understanding of what tinnitus is, but it's also an understanding that nothing that we have uh, that's affecting us is life-threatening. Because the first thing that we think when we have a ring in the ear, do I have some strange neurological condition? Do I have a brain tumor? And look, yeah. is it possible? Sure, it's anything is possible. Is it right. likely? No, it's not very likely. It's it's actually pretty unlikely for that to. But the educational element and the knowledge base, good knowledge from a well-meaning individual, as we've been discussing, is so critical for setting that person up for success so they can eventually not pay attention to that stone. Or as I say to patients when they're in my office, as we're talking, I say, are you paying attention to your bottom on the chair? And most of them are saying, nice. no, I'm not paying attention it. to it. And I said, well, why? And yeah. the reason is because it's not a threat to you. Right. And, the, and, and what the brain does when there's a, a persistent or constant input that's not perceived as a threat, the brain pushes it into its background of awareness yeah. versus uh, if there's something rattling in the corner and you're in a dark room in Texas, you think <laughs> there's a rattlesnake and you're going to pay attention to that all night long, right? Right. 
So uh, the reality is education, uh, empathetic individual, but uh, real good analogies, I think, help with patients as well. It helps them kind of yeah. solidify in their mind yeah. how they can start to make sense of what tinnitus yeah. really is. Yeah. And I think that is one of the most uh, also promising things for people. So to know that when you strategically learn how to sort of untag your tinnitus as something dangerous. And I like to uh, tell people as well, imagine how you sit there and watch your favorite show on Netflix or how you have an engaging conversation with your friend. And when people say to me, but I have a 24 seven, then I say, can you tell me, um, the whole week, let's go through the whole last week, whole seven days, every single moment. And you tell me whether it's true that you have heard your tinnitus 24 seven. I mean, it might be there 24 seven. If you are focusing in on it, then it probably will be there, but it's close to impossible that you have been focusing on for the whole time, because there might've been people who cut you off uh, uh, in, in traffic, uh, you might be annoyed about that. Then that is your primary focus. You might've had a bad headache and then you're like, Oh, how do I get rid of this headache? And until you had a, a painkiller or something, the headache is your primary concern. You might have to really need to use the bathroom just before getting home. And that will be your primary concern. So in any of these kind of moments, there were moments in which you were not paying attention to your tinnitus. And that's what we want to expand on. It's where your brain naturally learns to say, ah, it's just that tinnitus, that sound. I've learned that rather than activating my central nervous system and responding in fight or flight, I can also say, ah, it's just a tinnitus and then focus on whatever you said, mindfulness-based techniques, like where is uh, where is um, uh, my, my feet on the ground or um, my wedding band on my hand, my shirt and my neck, et cetera. So I just want to uh, ask you when you saw the patient and you and you eluded them to the to this fact, how would that uh, how would the next steps for the patient look like? Well, you start to see uh, there's a couple of things that happen as we counsel patients and and as I go through a conversation with a patient you, for most people, yeah. you actually yeah. start to see their shoulders drop nice. and you start to see their face kind of relax as well. Nice. Because I think, I do believe that knowledge is power and it's very rare that we have healthcare providers and it's it's not because we have uh, healthcare providers that are ill-willed in any way. We're under a lot of time constraints. We don't have the time that's required to actually spend to yeah. speak with patients for an hour, an hour and a half, yeah. unless we're dedicated to something like tinnitus or chronic pain or yeah. something that is affecting someone on a day-to-day -day that they need our attention for longer than yeah. five minutes. Yeah. So you actually see them physiologically and physically kind of uh, decompress, which is really a nice thing to see. There are some occasions where patients get more stressed out because they're actually expecting a pill, a quick fix. They're not yeah. looking at that kind of long-term investment in them yeah. in themselves. But yeah, but most people, ninety-five plus percent of patients, you, you see them just relax over time. Okay. There's, and, there was yeah. there was actually one thing that I wanted to to point out also is that is that there there's a kind of a subset of folks where we actually have a harder time kind of breaking through. Uh, those typically are my patients who are highly analytical. So yeah. they might be my mathematicians. They are definitely my musician patients. I've had a patient uh, in recent months where uh, her job was. Uh, 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 visual. So she could tell the difference between shades of reds and blues that no one can see because her brain was so highly tuned. Like a musician's brain is highly tuned to sound. Those folks, sometimes we have a harder time kind of dialing back and getting through because they are so hyperanalytical and they are constantly in this uh, learned response of paying attention to tinnitus. What does it mean? What does it sound like today? Is it better, worse, or five or one or whatever they're the scale is that they're they're putting on it, but we still have the opportunity to break through with those folks too. But those are the ones that sometimes are a little bit harder to actually get through to the other side. And a nice challenge as well, right? So as you said oh, before, sure. uh, when you've seen one tinnitus patient, you've seen one tinnitus patient, and I, 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 I can so relate to um, what you're saying, and that's part of why I was struggling quite a lot with my tinnitus as well when. 
um, when I first got it, but also when it in, when I had my increase um, uh, that was not temporary. Uh, when I was writing my uh, my bachelor thesis and trying to console different projects in university, doing a research project for a university in Istanbul, and so many things at the same time, and then trying to be somehow analytical or trying to somehow also manage this problem. That, that's exactly the same what I see when I speak to to clients and and when I work in in, in settings that those are the ones who need a little bit longer um, because they sort of like try all these kind of strategies and whenever the strategy doesn't work it like it's kind of like running into the rubber wall and like then being propelled back even more when something hasn't worked right because of course your natural response I always say this so often our human response is because we're geared for survival and not for happiness of being like these perfectly happy individuals that we all see on Instagram lying on a beach, uh, drinking a, a Bud Light or something like that, right? But we are actually kind of these problem solvers who try to survive. So we, when we perceive that problem, we of course we want to solve it. It's 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 part of our human condition. So yeah. that's very natural, and 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 people just have to be aware of that. But they have to also be aware that this kind of approach to sort of like cure this thing in kind of like problem solving and analytical way is only making that helicopter that's cycling over it and in, and 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 always uh, sharing with you hey the tinnitus it's still there and uh, yesterday you haven't been sleeping well because of it and last week was already terrible and probably it's going to be terrible in future as well right so I think, um, of course, we need a lot of uh, a lot more compassion and understanding. And my personal approach would be using a little bit more of um, a feeling-based uh, therapy, right? Because these people are very highly analytical. So I'm trying to. My personal approach would be getting a little bit into more acceptance and commitment-based approaches in working with these individuals. What is what would be your take on this? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that um, well, look, it, it's it also is. I think it's important for us to also understand what, what you're referring to is negativity bias, actually. We, we, we're dialed in to actually see the negative in things, and that's a protective mechanism. And we're all wired for that. That's just nature. Right. Um, I, I think that it's important for us to understand that, that um, we have to look at patients. And I, I, I can say tinnitus, people who have, you know, folks who have tinnitus or any patient in general is focus on tinnitus more holistically. It's it's not just it's not just about the ringing in that's perceived in the ear or the head. We have to look at them as a human being. And when I have those conversations where there's more of these kind of touchy feely questions, like, so what's your day to day like, and what's going on in life lately? <laughs> Oftentimes, I'll get these weird quizzical looks, like, why are you asking me this? Uh, yeah. But then when I tie I everything together. Yeah. When I tie that all together for them, it's like, it's part of the equation. You cannot yeah. separate your tinnitus from your physical no. body and your, your mental state. It is all one element. And we just have to find the inroad, you know, the, the, the easiest door in that might not yeah. necessarily be the ultimate path to success for that person, but it's definitely the way in. And I think that, you know, everybody is individual and, and you're right. You have to find the way that you can relate to them in order to be able to help. Um, so, and sometimes it's not easy, but with most folks, I think that they're just genuinely excited to have someone who's listening and who has some solid information. Uh, and I, I don't think I've ever had a patient that, that told me that they were miserable because they came to see me. They were just, maybe I didn't fix their problems on day one, but they were yeah. just excited to have someone actually hear them out because right. a lot of their, their practitioners do not do that. Yeah. 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 I have a, a similar experience and um, I'm uh, building a tinnitus community um, based off of the values that are very contrary to what uh, maybe online tinnitus forums are like. Um, and once people get in there, they tend to appreciate and, and love it so much and start to understand that it's quite different. But I also understand that a lot of people tell me like, oh, but I don't want to hear other people complain and say how bad they are doing and stuff like that. And I totally understand that. But our community luckily is completely different and it is probably because it is sort of like like sort of like within the gates of what I have done in the last five years as a coach using sort of certain science-based tools in order to exactly as you say get the foot in there already help the person before it comes to that fact where they say like Yes, but I hear it twenty four seven. My tinnitus is louder than my shower, and I just need a cure because nothing else will help me. And I'm like, 
you know, I could I could tell you a story or two now. I could also get in on how my tinnitus, uh, even when it was at its lowest level, I could hear it over the shower. Or it, it and it also really doesn't matter because I've seen so, such folks and such folks. So you could probably also speak to that a little bit. I have seen people who describe their tinnitus as very mild and the extent to which they were suffering from it, insomnia and uh, other sort of biases were ridiculous. And then other people who suffer from fairly loud tinnitus in a self-assessment, but say like, yeah, you know, I just want to know how to manage it a little bit, little bit better. And I'm glad to be in this community because I managed to connect with lies, likewise people. Um, what's, what's your experience of this? Yeah, uh, there's not a one-to-one relationship between intensity, uh, perception, well, intensity and uh, affected level, right? So um, years ago, we used to try, and, and I'm sure that there's, and I actually just read something recently that they were using EEG to actually start to try to quantify tinnitus, uh, which I haven't read the paper yet. Um, Interesting. But the the what we used to do and is kind of clinically normed now is measuring the frequency and intensity of someone's perceived tinnitus. So we put them in the, the sound treated room and we try to do a matching uh, task, which in and of itself is almost impossible uh, because tinnitus oftentimes is not just one sound. It could be multiple sounds. It can change in terms of its frequency composition. It could be static. It can be high pitch sound. You get the point. Yeah. But we would try to kind of match the most bothersome tinnitus. And from what I can recall, um, when that was commonplace, the actual level of the tinnitus was usually about five to seven decibels above the person's threshold, which means the softest level you can barely detect, the level of the tinnitus was about five to seven dB above that. Now, that was for the right. vast majority of people. That's a very, right. very soft sound when you measure that. Now, the perception of that can vary greatly. So what we used to do is when we would have a patient come to us at the beginning, we would measure that tinnitus profile on day one, and it would be say one pitch, five to seven dB above their threshold, take them through whatever protocol that was, uh, we were using at that time that was appropriate for the patient, whether that was tinnitus retraining therapy or some sound therapy, I would introduce some mindfulness techniques, whatever it might be. Um, and measure them at a few months down the road when their TRQ or their tinnitus handicap inventory was significantly reduced at that point. We started to see positive direction. Patient says they're sleeping better. The person says, I'm not noticing my tinnitus as much. And when I do, I'm not so bothered by it. And we would ma match the tinnitus again in the booth. And lo and behold, it was the exact same thing as it was on day one which tells us that we have the ability to reduce the awareness and disturbance level of tinnitus, but not actually cure the underlying tinnitus. Now, things might change at some point. This is just you know, historically as I'm talking. But what that tells you is that we, we perceive our tinnitus differently throughout the course of our day. And the actual tinnitus signal for most people, and there are exceptions for most people, will not really change that much. Now, granted, if there's un some underlying physical phenomenon that's contributing to tinnitus, whether that might be TMJ disorder, maybe a cervical spine issue, maybe there's some circulatory issues, maybe there's something serious from a medical condition. Right. That's a different story, but run of the mill right. tinnitus, that's what we were seeing. Right. Um, and I think, I think this is uh, uh, interesting to expand on um, to basically say that the person who is um, experiencing the tinnitus is experiencing it pretty much at the same volume, but that goes with the fact that you can basically have your brain um, get used to pretty much anything, right? The same way that a, a person has a terrible accident, loses a leg, and then a year later starts at the Paralympics and wins a gold medal, right? And you would be just like, that's amazing. And for that person, I mean, sure, it might not be like running with two legs, but uh, it, it's sort of like the brain can fully accomplish compensating for that and learning how to maybe even faster run with that prosthetic limb right so it it really is kind of a mind boggling of what this condition actually does to us how we how managing and relating to it in a certain way is doing such a big trick for the tinnitus management already i i wanted to ask you um, because you, because we briefly, briefly touched on it, you you mentioned right now maybe that uh, changes in future with the uh, with a, a, a approaches to um, yeah to a hard fact kind of cure. What would be your idea from a medical kind of perspective? Now I know that this is a little bit of a different diff difficult topic, but uh, just to yeah just to to get in on that for a little bit maybe. 
Well, I think that that based on what we know of the causes, again, let's let's rule out let's let's put aside any medically right. treatable cause of tinnitus. Right. Uh, let's just say that this is someone who had hearing loss and it caused some changes to the brain. Um, right. That in and of itself is the beautiful part about something like tinnitus is that the brain is, as we said at the very beginning, is malleable. It's plastic. We have the ability to change the way the brain is organized with experience or if we lack experience. And that's basically what occurs with tinnitus. There's a reduction in input to the brain that causes the symptom of tinnitus. But what that means is that if we have the tools that would allow us to actually retrain the brain, and we've tried that throughout years with systems like sound generators, put masking aside. Masking is not a, a therapeutic use of sound, but sound generators at a therapeutic level, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, Jennifer Gans, who's a psychologist over in, uh, she's a good friend who's in, in San Francisco, has created mindfulness-based tinnitus stress reduction, uh, which is a wonderful, and she actually just published a paper last month on the effectiveness of an online program to help patients with mindfulness with tinnitus. So we have all of these tools that all they're doing are prompting the brain to change in a certain direction. What if we had the ability to actually make that a more efficient process, uh, something that was uh, easy to access uh, for, for individuals who are bothered by their tinnitus, not time consuming, but ultimately is, is just fostering that brain, that brain plasticity. And we're seeing a lot of technologies, uh, it's not a lot, we're seeing some technologies come out. And throughout the years, we've seen a number of technologies that try to do that. But th there's there's a lot of interesting science that's coming out now um, that that is going to prove fruitful, I think. And it has proven fruitful for, for people who are bothered by their tinnitus. Um, some medical devices uh, are, are available not in the states, unfortunately. Uh, it would, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that, um, but um, yeah. there, there are some great technologies that are available on your side of the pond in Europe um, that are doing great things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we're we're talking a little bit uh, under the hand about the sponsor of this podcast, but um, they recently published a, a new study, uh, the 10A2 study, um, and uh, the, his uh, or the chief science officer, Hubert Lim, has already previously been on, on my podcast, amazing guy who's been studying at Hanover Medical School as well. And what's your current take on the linear? It's, of course, not available yet in the USA, and we can't really say anything about a trajectory on when it will be available, but um, we've talked a little bit about the reconditioning of the brain. What is what is your take on the linear device? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, it's a very exciting technology. It's a very exciting time, I think, for tinnitus as well. Um, and from a perspective of, of, a, of a, being a clinician, this is something that um, I'm, I'm waiting on. And a lot of clinicians who are in the, embedded in the world of tinnitus are kind of waiting on to see what we might be able to accomplish with this particular technology. But as you said, not available in the US just yet, um, haven't been able to get our hands on it. Um, but over in Europe, they're having some great success uh, with this device called Lanier. Uh, it is basically, it's based on the premise, and if you've spoken with Hubert Lim, who's an amazingly smart person, he's also tremendously funny. I don't know if that came through in, in the podcast yeah, with him, but he's 100%. tremendously funny. So I, I, I love him. Um, so so the, the basis behind the linear device is something called bimodal neuromodulation. So what that does is it's utilizing um, the concept of brain plasticity, as we've been talking about, but it's using multiple pathways to actually elicit plastic changes in the individual's brain who's bothered by tinnitus. And Neuromodulation, bimodal neuro neuromodulation is not a new concept. It's, it's been around for a long time. It's used for things like chronic pain and even anxiety and depression in some cases. But in this particular case, they are using it specifically for tinnitus. And what the studies are showing, as you've, you've been talking about, I'm sure, is that we're seeing some really great results with patients. Um, so again, really looking forward to seeing this device here in the States. We're hoping we can get our hands on it uh, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, based on what we're hearing and seeing, it's something that's very, very promising for our patients who are impacted by tinnitus. 
Okay, great. It's a little bit like waiting for the new iPhone to release, and it's not a. Usually, it's a, us us in Europe who where it's not not yet available, and it immediately releases on the US market. For this this time, it's uh, the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> better than the iPhone, I think. Better than the iPhone, probably <laughs> better than any iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. especially yeah, especially for folks who are bothered by their tinnitus, this yeah. is something that we've been waiting for. As I, as we've talked about, there's a lot of technologies that have come down the pipe throughout the years. This yeah. is something that's completely new and it's something that's very very interesting to all of us in the tinnitus world hey great for uh thanks thank you for uh, uh shading some light on on the linear device yeah as i get more information love to share more but up, up at this point this is this is what we've got so yeah maybe we can just take a deep dive as soon as it is available <laughs> that sounds great actually that sounds great um uh yeah that's that's very very interesting um I think it's also very promising, and I think it's a big sign to the tinnitus community that um, there are so many things in development, so many things happening right now, so many positive things. And I, I also think that it's like never been, although people still describe it as very lonely today, I had a person from Finland join our community and he was overwhelmed and he was like, I'm just so happy that I found you. And it's amazing to be here, to be with other people and to find like-minded members because he just felt so isolated. So it's amazing that you can have so, so, so many things, but still feel so, uh, have so many people who feel like they're isolated, like they're not getting the right care, like they're not being understood. And um, I'm, I'm guessing it is also about what you said that Every person has probably some sort of other difficulty um, going on, but when do you ever not have an, a, a certain difficult level of difficulty in your life, right? Unless you're sort of like this uh, a, a beach bungalow billionaire who sits around uh, sipping uh, tequila yeah. sunrise the whole day. Well, you they get my point. They have um, problems also. Yeah. They're just different yeah. problems. <laughs> Everybody yeah. has problems. And I think that it's it's in, it's important. Uh, again, the empathy part is, is, is very important from a healthcare provider, but also from a spouse or significant other. Yeah. Uh, when, when we're dealing with someone who is impacted by tinnitus in a very serious way, we have to, uh, uh, not, um, uh, we have to have some level of understanding just because we don't understand exactly what it might be. We have to try to understand, I think the, the the root of the problem is that there's a lot of misinformation out there and that feeds the negativity element that you described just a few moments ago. Right. Um, and that if we have the ability to get good information out, like channels that you've developed through your podcast, through your community, then you have the ability, and I, I wonder if you've thought about this, then we have the ability to actually graduate people out of that community because it's not a lifelong thing. It doesn't have to be a lifelong no. thing. No, no. Um, it's so. something absolutely something that I'm working on as we speak um, with uh, very, very competent people who have done a lot more community building than I have. Um, so I have professional support there. And because it is, as you say, and that's also my, my point is not having people in my tinnitus community for life. My point is uh, building an infrastructure that can in part compensate for is exactly as you say, the natural lack of resources in the healthcare system, in many healthcare systems, including the German one, um, and finding a place for these people where they can basically uh, anchor their ship for a couple of months, uh, learn the tips and tricks and, and strategies, and sort of like join frequent events where we where we come together and talk and and we just exactly talk about these more positive uh, based approaches, right? And just like even even accepting negativity as is is sometimes enabling you to sort of have some of that weight of their shoulder off, right? Exactly as you said earlier, when you see them, their shoulders lower a little bit because they can start to accept that something difficulty difficult is happening right now to start accepting it because when you stop fighting difficulty with everything that you have then suddenly you have a little bit more energy for other things in your life that you so desperately need right and once you start focusing on those other things that are probably much more important yes. to you than your tinnitus that actually is a self-fulfilling thing where you start to move further away from the awareness and the disturbance of your tinnitus as well. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of what I talk about with patients is that it's really, really important to get back to normal life. You have to get back to exercise. You have to get back to doing things that you love because then if you don't, and you're just sitting in that dark room with right. that bright light, which is tinnitus, right. uh, it just completely uh, is overwhelming and you are just using brain plasticity in the wrong direction. You are training yeah. yourself yeah. to stay in that space and we don't want you to stay in that space. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, because we've talked about uh, all the uh, positive benefits benefits of plasticity, but they obviously um, can work in exactly the other way. Because sure. when we are so focused on our tendencies, and surely it is there twenty four seven. So for people who are decompressed and they um, experience um, sort of maybe accompanying insomnia and then feeling like they're not being able to complete their daily tasks and then basically getting into a depressed, uh, de de depressive disorder state. Um, what is your approach if you, if you work with people like that? Um, In terms of uh, when, when the, when the mental health state is a little bit beyond just the, the I, 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 guess, yeah. I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess, you know, I sometimes have people like that. And I say, I think what you need, and I'm very honest is apart from a community is a medical intervention, because sometimes we're just past that stage where, um, awareness and mindfulness-based techniques and lying in a dark room um, just coincides with a depressive disorder. And, you know, I, I just want to say that, of course, this plasticity works in the other way as well. So it's important to allude, allude to that fact as well, because some of the people who are listening here might be on that side, right? So what do we What do we say? What do we suggest? What do we say? Um, uh, how do we how do we go about uh, um, uh, helping these people? Well, it, I understand that in my world, I have limitations to what I can help, uh, what I can do to help certain individuals. Yeah. And right. uh, it's it's if you take a look at any of the standardized questionnaires, mental health, there's at least a handful of questions that talk about mental health and. I think that that's a, that's an important element because we have to understand when it's appropriate to refer to someone for a mental health related issue that yeah. may or may not be directly the cause of the tinnitus. And again, right. it's hard to kind of right. tease that out necessarily. Egg. Yeah, it's definitely hard to tease that out. But I think that if someone is in such a bad state, we have to get them more even keeled before they're even open to hear the things that we want to introduce into their world. So it might entail medication for some for some folks, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. No. It might entail, you know, uh, a a period of of therapy to kind of reframe things and to to develop strategies. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it's actually it's an integral part of of getting anybody healthy. Is you have to deal with the mental health state first to get them primed to be able to and also open to make these decisions that will help them, uh, yeah. whether it's from a sound therapy yeah. perspective or a medical device or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very very relevant and also very helpful. And I think um, one ultimate and last factor that I would like to briefly discuss when we talk about um, individual uh, severity of tinnitus is basically comparing yourself to other people. And uh, I've had a lot of people in the community say, "But I've read somewhere online that you should be able to habituate within seven months." And then I say, "Okay, well, then there is probably a study of so and so many thousand people, and then uh, some uh, ra ra rashly digressed from the seven month and habituated or self-reportedly habituated within six weeks, and some people who uh, have not been able to uh, habituate to their tinnitus after half a decade." Right. So you have these digressions from these different 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 trajectories and if you compare yourself again then of course your focus the focus that you have on that tinnitus itself will be exacerbated so basically realizing that you are on your very very own and individual path and that you have to see it as such plus and this is the the other point that i want to um, get your opinion on is we are all to be very honest in periods of our life more or less psychologically healthy There are periods of more difficulty. And even as you speak to your doctor, you don't know what's going on in the life of your doctor, for example. Of course, he's sitting there as a functioning doctor who's taking care of your uh, of your ailment or trying to at least, but you never know what's going on inside the other person. So we're not, uh, not all other individuals that you um, meet and encounter throughout the day are happy Instagram models uh, sipping beer on the beach. It's, I think that's incredibly helpful as well, right? To say that it's all right not to be all right for a while. Yeah, look, we have to give ourselves a break. Um, the our, our lives are not linear trajectories from unhappy to excited in life and happy yeah. in life, and per, everything's going perfect. There's ups and downs, and you know, I, I've 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 kind of subscribed to uh, a stoic philosophy throughout the course yeah, of my life. Me too. Um, and I think that you know, other things that are important for people to expose themselves to are books like Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, where we look at yeah. 
you know, the, 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 one of the, the, the quotes that stands out is, is between, so when something occurs in our response, you know, that's our, our power in between. in between. So, yeah. And if you have the ability to kind of uh, broaden out that period of time and kind of be able to take a breath and then ultimately make a good decision for yourself and actually see things as they are, not as we think they are. And that's something yeah. that I continuously work on every single day. So no one's perfect. Even if their lives look like these Instagram models, no one's lives are perfect. Everybody's got problems. As you said, the dot, I, trust me, I almost had a heart attack in September and everybody looks at me like, really? Uh. But yes, me, healthy guy, cycles 50 miles on a weekend, works out, eats healthy, blah, blah, blah. 90% blockage in one of my arteries in my heart. Lucky I caught it. Nobody knows about that. Well, now they do, <laughs> but but everybody has their issues to deal with. And it's up to us to try to figure out strategies to ultimately be able to deal with them effectively so we can move on and be more productive. And again, easier said than done in many cases. I realize that I'm preaching to, you know, you're preaching to the choir. Things are difficult at times. I get it. But getting, yeah. arming yourself with good information, right. starting to take small steps every single day in that direction. We're going to have setbacks, but as long as you're moving in that forward direction, you have to be a little bit easier on yourself. Give yourself a break, take it easy, and then you'll get to that spot that where you want to get to uh, eventually. We'll take time though for some people. Yeah. Well, let's hope that uh, that was not at all of working with so many tinnitus patients. And that, of course, in and of itself can be a little bit of a stressful thing, I guess, uh, when we work a little bit too much. But uh yeah, Gen thank genetic, you for gen genetics will catch up to you eventually. Okay. It doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably another twenty years, and then I will see what what falls down the tree for me. Um, Hopefully not. I, it's I, actually I, already I, fallen down the tree, so my hearing is the first thing that never was good in the first place. Well, that's the thing. Again, it goes to show you that you you know I I see you look look like a young healthy guy, and everything looks great. Got a got a wonderful podcast and a a booming business and all these different things in your life, but you would never know unless you shared it with somebody. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think what you're doing is wonderful. I think that it's, it's actually a much needed uh, element of, of what's going on in the world of tinnitus and healthcare. I think that well-meaning people such as yourself will bring amazing uh, um, uh, information, but also progress to people who are, are being impacted by tinnitus um, and even the people who, who are their loved ones need to know this information. So I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. That's uh, really means a lot to me to be coming from someone who is working in the field for so, so, so many years and who's seen so many different individual tinnitus patients. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, been a, been a big, big, big pleasure to have you on the podcast here today, Craig. It's, uh, fantastic to meet you also as a person and to share some insights in your, not only your, your daily clinical life, but also some parts of your personal life. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Oh, my Thanks. pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you, speak with your audience. And uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Craig, then um, I want to tell you that uh, this has been an amazing interview with you today. Um, I thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm sure that we will have you uh, in future. Maybe we can do a second episode and uh, zoom in a little bit more on uh, uh, certain interventions and uh, geek out a little bit more. That would be something that I'd be very happy to do. And um yeah, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. I wish you a fantastic weekend down there in New York. And actually, I have one final thing. So I can pause the recording for a bit, but uh, you can already start thinking about it. I have um, a fable for the Tim Ferriss podcast. And he always asked the people in his show, if you could put up a billboard with one sentence on Times Square, what would that billboard say? And I am just going to continue talking for a little bit so you can, uh, or do you already have something? <laughs> no, nothing yet? Yeah, sure. No, there, there's, uh, <laughs> I, I think that um, something that I've lived by, uh, but especially in recent months, uh, very simple sentence, do more. Just do more. Every day, do more. Whether that's do more to help yourself, do more to help others, do more to help your community. Simple, do more. I look at that every single day on my phone, actually, and that uh, that helps me stay focused and keep things in perspective and prioritize. 
but simply do more. I like that. I um, just to segue from that, this is a very short digression. Um, I recently listened on the Waking Up app, one of my favorite apps from Sam Harris, um, yeah. into the um, time management for mortals. I don't know if you've uh, known that series. Um, and he talks about how Warren Buffett's pilot asked Warren Buffett, how should he prioritize his time on earth? And Warren Buffett told him, write down the 25 most important things to you and then and then and then avoid everything past number five like it's the it's like it's death avoid everything past number five and five uh, focus on those five tasks only and then you know how to really become successful in managing the time that you have on this earth yeah i agree with that actually and when i said i had i have this on my phone it's actually there's only when i look one two three four things so I have do more and then the four things that I need to focus on. So I, I've beat Warren Buffett by one, basically. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> one more effective than Warren Buffett's advice. Awesome. Love it. There you go. Fantastic. Craig, thank you so much for uh, coming on to the podcast today. It's been a big, big, big pleasure. I'm sending um, big regards out to uh, uh, New York. Um, yeah. Thank you for, for coming on and taking the time today. No, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. And again, any questions pop up or if uh, you want to continue the conversation, I'm always open for that. One final thing, because mm -hmm. you shouldn't mention this, and I will put it in the show notes as well. Where can people, if they are in New York, find or consult you? The best way to find uh, me would be through our practice website, which is New York Hearing Doctors, all one word, all spelled out, .com. So NewYorkHearingDoctors.com. Uh, on there, you'll see links to our social media. You'll see links to be able to schedule appointments. Um, anything about me is on there as well. So that's probably the easiest way to find me, newyorkhearingdoctors.com. Perfect. Great. Thank you so much, Greg. My pleasure. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, that brings us to the end of this week's episode for Tinnitus Week 2023. I hope you enjoyed it. I so much enjoyed the conversation with Craig Casper, Dr. Craig Casper from New York. Uh, I'm going to put the link to his practice in the show notes. So if you're listening in from New York and you are struggling with your tinnitus, make sure to pay him a visit. Um, what a fantastic guy and how much knowledge. Incredible. So much accumulated knowledge. It's amazing to uh, and a privilege to be able to interview such a knowledgeable person in the field of hearing and tinnitus. So I am very humbled and happy to have had the opportunity to interview him for our podcast. Um, I all hope you had a fantastic Tinnitus Week 2023. Again, I certainly did. So much happening in the space uh, right now. So many big events popping up everywhere. So much uh, research coming up. And I have a few amazing podcast episodes coming out over the next few years. But first, I really need to just go lie down at the beach and have a cold beer. So in the next podcast episode, you might as well see a picture from me lying at the beach and having a very cold light beer, right? Because otherwise my head gets too spinny. <laughs> all right, guys, I um, wish you all the best uh, from Berlin still, from my heart to yours. Um, go uh, make sure that you check out uh, our tinnitus community at www.mytinnitus.club. You can get your own personal individual two weeks free trial. I never want to see anyone unhappy. So if you say, hey, Frieder, this really isn't my gear. Uh, I don't uh, want to be part of this community anymore um, and I will always fully refund your money if you don't believe in it. But so far, no one has requested that because everyone in the community thinks it's amazing, including me. So without having to do too many ads to them, I'm only going to say once we reach... Uh, over 70 people, I will close the community down because otherwise it will be a little bit too difficult for me to handle all the people. So if you want your spot in the community, make sure to sign up now at www.mytinnitus.club. Wishing you all the best. Next podcast episode releases in a couple of weeks. And until then, goodbye. Thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I am looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at outringtinnitus.com. See you next time.